Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. Turn, if you would, to this passage of Scripture. This is the very passage of Scripture. If you go from here to Big Church, we will be reading Isaiah chapter 9. And so I thought, let's uh, spend a little more time reading this passage and digging deep into this Word of God for us. So turn to it. Raise your hand if you're there. It's like, oh yes, good, good. It's like one of those sword drills. Do you remember sword drills if you grew up in church? It's sword drill. Turn to a passage. First one there wins. Um, so, so it's good to get good at turning to Scripture in moments like these. So Isaiah is probably somewhere halfway in the Bible. It's a pretty big book, so eventually if you're flipping around, you'll find it. Turn to chapter 9, and this prophecy is about 600 years before the coming of Jesus. 600 years, more 600 plus years. And what we're about to read today seems a whole lot like Jesus coming. When he came into this world, listen to what it has to say. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land will the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be, <clears throat> excuse me, they will be glad in your presence. So it's the coming of the Lord. They will be glad in your presence. The presence of the Lord is coming. As the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. People are just going to be so happy because the Lord is here. You shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff off their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. As, the, as at the battle of Midian, for every boot of the booted warrior in battle, tumult, and the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. So it's like there's going to be no more war. It's like people are putting away their, their things of war. Verse 6, very famous verse. This is usually where it starts. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Wow, his name will be Mighty God. That's amazing. That's obviously a fulfillment of Christ Jesus coming to this world. His name will be Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or the peace on the throne of David or over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Let's pray. Lord, you did fulfill this scripture 2,000 years ago when there was just some people, some shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their sheep, and an angel that you sent, Lord, came to these group of shepherds, and the glory of this angel and the glory of the Lord shone round about these shepherds, and they were so afraid, but you said uh, through this angel, fear not, for behold, The Lord is doing something. He's going to bring good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto this day, a Savior is born in the city of Bethlehem, and he is Christ the Lord. And so, Jesus, we worship you, Christ the Lord, who came and was laid in swaddling clothes, placed in a manger, and we behold the glory of your coming, God on this earth. Praise be to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody screamed, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here this morning. Let's talk about what we should be talking about this time of year, which is, of course, Christmas. 
We love Christmas. We in the church sometimes call it Advent, being more specific in saying that Advent is the season of looking towards the coming of our Lord. Christmas is more just that one day, December 25th, where we celebrate Christ's Mass. Um, but there's all these things. There's festive stuff. How many of you like Christmas music? How many of you like uh, Christmas songs? How many of you hate Christmas songs? It's <laughs> like half of you hate it. Half of you love it. How, how many of you love, uh, how many of you have a real Christmas tree this year? Like a real, real. One, two, three, four, uh, five, okay, six out of like a hundred people? Six percent? Oh, it gets less and less every year. But there's all these things that we as Americans think about and love when it comes to Christmas. Let me tell you something I saw the other day. And this has nothing to do with Christmas. And yet it has everything to do with Christmas, and yet it has nothing to do with Christmas. Uh, my wife, who's amazing, who's, who's coming late because she has three rascals. Um, I will brag about her, but she uh, will often make people meals. If they have a baby, she will make a meal. If they move houses, if somebody's sick or some situation, if there's a loss uh, of life, a relative, she's that woman of God who will make people meals and bring them to their houses. So last week, uh, some Friends of ours moved houses, and so we were bringing them a meal and driving around. We were a little early, so we were driving around this neighborhood and looking at Christmas lights and pointing out, oh, look at this house. Look at the icicle lights. Look at this house. It's got the, the, the laser thing, which to me is like new this year. I don't know if it's new this year, but like the laser beam, and it has all the laser lights, uh, laser light show on people's houses. That's pretty cool. And we were pointing out the nativity scenes. Oh, look at this house. It has a nativity scene. And then we drove by this house, and this has... Nothing to do with Christmas, but everything to do with Christmas, but nothing to do with Christmas. And it was just horribly ugly. Maybe this is your house. Like Christmas, like Christmas just threw up on this house. And there was lights and it didn't match. There was like blue lights and red lights, green lights. What? You want me to use handheld? Is it echoing and stuff back there? Staticky? Okay. Sorry about that, guys. Check one. Check two. Got it? Check, check, check. Mike, check one. Okay, there we go. Sorry. Continuing on with the Christmas throwing up on this house. And there was just stuff everywhere. There was reindeer all over the place. Everything. Signs. Merry Christmas, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. Um, all these things. And in the middle of the um, yard, as like the, the, the thing to look at was this guy. He was fat. He had a beard. Who was he? Santa, and he's just huge, and it was probably like seven feet tall, five feet wide, um, this Santa kind of blowing in the wind like this, um, being tied down, and he had a Hawaiian shirt on and a grass hula hoop skirt, and we just looked at this, and it's like, how do we get here? God comes to earth. How do we get here? <laughs> and me and my wife were talking about this, and she said, that's probably going to be a sermon illustration, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, it probably will be. Like, well, how do we get here? And there's an answer to that question that, I, that I've kind of come to grips with, and I'll explain that answer in just a second. But first, welcome to the Mill Sunday School. Um, we'll welcome you. We'll get, I got some announcements, then we'll get back to the the Hawaiian Santa Claus in a second. So welcome to the Mill Sunday School. Uh, if you are new, we have a card that you're welcome to fill out. And if you're just visiting, if you're from out of town, you can fill it out too. And if you, if you fill it out, you get a gift bag as you leave. Uh, see right out there, there's some gift bags for you. Uh, it's got Brady Boyd's, our senior pastor's book. It's got... Um, 
a Desperation, our worship band's CD in there for you to enjoy. So no strings attached. Uh, and if you want to get on the email list, there's a box. If you would like a call, I will call you. You can check another box. And so we, it's one of our ways of practically easily welcoming you, letting you know more about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church, which one of those things is coming right up next month. Uh, we are going to do a winter retreat. What, what? Um, it's, it's kind of our event of the year. It's fun. Let me just tell you about the, the, the fun. The, they have a new facility. We're going to go to the Golden Bell, which we went to last year. But they have a new meeting facility. They have a tubing hall. They have good food. It's a great weekend. It's right there in the mountains, right past Woodland Park. It's only about 40 minutes from here. And it will be a wonderful weekend. We're calling it Identity. And that's what I'm really excited about is, is the topic we have prayed about and thought about. And, and so there's going to be talks about how we have an identity in Christ. And that identity is a son or a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ and and what we can do with that knowledge. And so that's that. Sign up. There is still, because all of you, assumingly so, are procrastinators, we we had this deal that the first 25, 20 people would get a a $99 deal. And then after the first 20 uh, people registered, it would go up to 120. And only about half of you, half of the 20, a little more than half, have registered now. So there's like, what, eight, if you do the math, places left for you to register right now, if you so chose. Because if you know you're going, save the 20 bucks. It really, 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 really does help us. Because last year, uh, about... It, the numbers doubled about a week before the retreat, and that was a little difficult for us to 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 to, to tell Golden Bell, "Hey, there's not 50. There's more like 100 people coming." And then so, so they had to scramble food. It's just not nice. So register early, be nice, uh, and you get a deal because the, the the price is a little cheaper. So please do that. Um, if you know you're going at this point, which is only about a month away. It's the, the very end of January, the last weekend. Go online, get more information about that. And then we also have a New Year's Eve celebration. So if you don't have New Year's Eve plans, join us. If you already have plans, cancel those plans and come with us because this will be pretty fun. It's going to be formal right? Victoria, Victoria is, is leading this. And, and so that means girls, you get to dress up. Guys, that means you have to dress up. Um, it'll be great. It'll be fun. Uh, lots of hors d'oeuvres. It'll start at like 8.30 and go past midnight to like 1 and 1.30, 8.30, And so go online. You have to register. It's totally free, but we want you to register so we know how many people are coming. So once again, we could have enough stuff and food for you. And uh, so it's free. You got to register. You got to get a, the account thing going. It'll take you like a horrible five minutes to do. So you're like, oh, I have to register. Yes, it'll take five minutes of your life and it'll really help us with count. So Continuing on from announcements, take a deep breath. (sighs) Maybe just I need it (sighs) to get back into the flow. So Hawaiian Santa Claus, how do we get there? It brings us to our first nerd alert of the day. And a pretty big word, a a religious kind of word, syncretism. This is the amalgamation, another big word, of different cultures coming together. This is the amalgamation or the melting, the blending of different religions coming together. This is the amalgamation of societies coming together. And we as Americans, 
we do this really good. We are a country founded on immigrants, unless you're a Native American. We have all come to this country just a few generations ago, bringing with us, like my, my family is Scotch, Irish, English, Polish, and German, so that's my ancestry, and bringing together different traditions and, and joining with other traditions that other people bring over and the Native American traditions and the things like we are just good at melting cultures and the American culture is what it is because of that amalgamation. And so it's very easy to get to a Hawaiian Santa Claus if you consider some things. So first of all, Christ was born. Jesus, the Lord himself, was God. He didn't become God. He became flesh and came to this earth about 2,000 years ago. And we're not really sure where he was born. Uh, not really, sorry, we know he was born in Bethlehem. We're not really sure when he was born as far as like what season. And so, in fact, some people, a lot of Christian scholars say it was probably, if we had to guess, it was probably the springtime. But we weren't sure... So people, early Christians, were already celebrating in the coldest, deadest, darkest uh, day of the year, which is around the winter solstice, uh, namely right around December 23rd, 22nd, 25th. And so they were already celebrating right at the end of December. And so early Christians said, well, instead of worshiping these pagan gods in the dead of winter, the winter solstice, asking the spring gods to come back, asking the harvest gods to come back, let's worship the one true Lord Jesus Christ. Let's worship him on this day and say that because it's so dark, light will come into the world and that light is the light of God, Jesus Christ. So the day was chosen, maybe you don't know this, but the day, December 25th, was chosen because people were already worshiping other gods on that day in the darkest day of the year, and so it was kind of like added to that. That's a good example of this word, syncretism. And so from there, because December 25th was picked, there's another uh, pretty big saint in the Christian tradition named St. Nicholas, who was from Myra, which is present-day Turkey, who lived, and he was a bishop. And a bishop wears red, usually, and big hats, and they're usually really old men because they need to be elders. That's kind of what bishop means. And um, St. Nicholas, these images of St. Nicholas of a bishop, um, quickly became, like, into the, not maybe not quickly, but over many years, Santa Claus in Dutch, it's Sinterklaas, which sounds a lot like Santa Claus, which is what we call him in English. And so it's like this amalgamation, this syncretism of celebrating St. Nicholas's Day on December 6th into like giving presents. And you kind of see how this goes. And so people have these images of Santa Claus representing Christmas. Okay, I could see how that goes. And then maybe, um, going back to the story, uh, this Santa Claus that had Hawaiian garb on was maybe that family was just Hawaiian and they wanted to be proud of their Hawaiian stuff, and so they had not just a regular Santa Claus with the regular kind of bishop-y clothes, but Hawaiian gear. So it all makes sense, right? Say Everybody say, oh, I guess that makes sense. But what we can begin to quickly forget, if that's what we see as people living and seeing these images of Christmas, seeing Santa Clauses who are garbed in Hawaiian hula skirts and grass skirts and and kind of dancing and Hawaiian t-shirts. When we see that over and over again, when our kids see that, I think we can very quickly lose the real meaning of Christmas. We can lose it. And and the, the, the Christ coming to this earth, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, becomes like almost secondary to Christmas trees and Christmas lights and presents and Santa. So today's purpose is to get us back on track. Let's see the real story. Let's talk about the real story. In my, in, in my mind, um, 
we forget the real story. Not many, I think some of us could probably name all the reindeer and not name like some of the details of the real Christmas story. Why? Why are we guilty of that? Because our culture, our culture puts upon us these images of reindeer instead of baby Jesus's. And that's just, that's just how it is. So I know this week is finals week and I hope to not stir the stress and emotion of test taking to you. But there's a pop quiz. So it's closed book, closed Bible. So close your Bibles just for now. We'll reopen them, but just for the purpose of this, closed Bible, closed internet, closed friends, closed textbooks, closed everything other than the knowledge at your table. So be, uh, some of you have double tables, maybe uh, separate yourself so that you could all compete as a table. So some of you have more or less. And if you want to switch the Quickly switch tables. Now is the time to do it before the quiz starts. But pull out a pen or a pencil, reach under your table, find the quiz, take the quiz. Ready, guys, I go. All right. Write um, your table name on your table, uh, your piece of paper. You've got to pick a name within five seconds. Um, and then hand your paper to another table for accountability. So trade papers with another table. For accountability purposes. Are you stuck on table name? You could just be like table five if you need to just pick something. Okay, is everybody uh, traded papers? Trading still happening? Okay, let's get right to it. How many wise men were there? That is correct. The Bible does not say how many. It's plural, so we could assume two or more. Some traditions have 12. Of course, our tradition that you see every time you see the wise men, how many are there? There's three in our tradition. That's because there's three gifts, the gold, incense, and myrrh. And so people just assume they were each holding one. But what if there was just two and one guy had two and one guy had one? Or what if there was 12 and they had lots of... Anyways, it just doesn't say. So the correct answer is C. The Bible just doesn't say. That's going to be kind of a theme, by the way, uh, in this. Uh, in what type of building was Jesus born? Uh, stable. That's kind of the nativity scene, which you see a lot. A cave. I've seen images of Jesus being born in a cave. Uh, an inn. That's definitely not right because there was no room in the inn. But D is the correct answer, actually, and that it doesn't actually say. It says he was swaddled together uh, in clothes um, and, and put in a manger. It's E. Okay, I have an old version of the quiz. I apologize. Maybe I should get a new version of the quiz. Can someone crawl under a table that's not being used and give me the new quiz? Okay, we got, Ruth has got it. Ruth, a servant of the Lord, crawling around. Thank you. Okay, so the, what's the correct answer? E. Okay, uh, the Bible. Oh, wait. Oh, I, my quiz was way off. I had lots of things wrong. Okay, sorry. Um, how many wise men were there? What type of building was Jesus born? E, the Bible does not say. Uh, number three, when the wise men brought their gifts to Jesus, they found him in a home is actually the correct answer. The, stay, the, the shepherds find him in the, the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, but it's much later than it actually says that the star ascended on the house and they find him in a home, in a house. D is the correct answer. This, this quiz is getting, this quiz is kind of weird. It got, I think it got a little weird in the printing because there's no A. Oh, wait, 
Yeah, there is. Okay, never mind. Sorry, I'm getting really confused. Number four. We're on four, right? Yes. What animals were present? Jesus' birth, lions and tigers, bears. Not the right answer. Uh, D, the Bible does not say. Even though every time you have ever seen uh, uh, a scene of the nativity, there's usually donkeys or sheep running around and camels maybe, but the D, the Bible just does not say. Number five, how soon after Joseph and Mary reached Bethlehem was Jesus born? We usually think that night, as the story goes, we usually think, oh, they get there and within minutes, uh, that labor is going on because it's like this panic of not being able to find a room in the inn. But the Bible doesn't say. It could have been uh, weeks. We don't know how, how far it was after Joseph and Mary arrived. They could have been living there for weeks. We don't know. C is the correct answer. Uh, what did the innkeeper say to Mary and Joseph? I have a stable out back. Come after the celebrations. There's no room at the inn. Or D, it never said. There's no character in the Bible of the innkeeper. It just says there was no room in the guest house. And it, it, the guest house is usually translated as inn. Although in every Christmas pageant you've ever seen, there's this innkeeper who is so sorry. And he says, there's no room in the inn. You can have my stable out back. That just, it's not in the Bible. So the correct answer is D, the Bible does not say. How many of you got that one right? One t- table, this two tables. Okay, good. Um, you cannot leave your group now that the quiz has been taken, by the way. Uh, number, what are we on? Number seven. Sorry, some of these look like there's weird spaces. For the journey to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, A, walked. Joseph walked. Mary rode a donkey. That's what we usually see, the picture. Uh, C, they rode a bus. Nah. Uh, D, the Bible just doesn't say. So even this iconic image of Joseph pulling a donkey, Mary riding the donkey, that's the image we see over and over and over. It's not in the Bible. So the correct answer is D, the Bible does not say. Number eight, kind of a trick question. Well, not really, if you know the story. Number eight, the shepherds followed a star to baby Jesus. It's false. It's the, the, the magi that follow the star. The shepherds follow the sign of uh, the manger. By, by the, the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like you're doing very well. Is that true? Um, okay. Number nine, this is a hard one. How old was Jesus when he was first presented in the temple? You have to really know your stuff. Um, some people would say eight days old that he, was, that he was circumcised, but he was not circumcised in the temple. It says he was circumcised. And then when the day for the, the, the ceremonial cleaning of a, of a woman who had had a baby, was that time was up. And that time would be exactly, if you know your Deuteronomy and your Leviticus like you should, you would know that that amount of time is 40 days for the purification of Mary after having a baby to then present baby Jesus to the temple. That's a really hard one, probably the hardest one here. Um, But if you also know your church calendar, like some of you know, if you came from a Catholic tradition or an Orthodox tradition, you know that 40 days later, on February 2nd, there's the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus to the temple. So a very hard one. Did anyone get that one right? Any, any table? Okay. <laughs> Number 10, what is frankincense? I imagine some of you thought it was a metal that you don't know. Some of you might have thought it was a horror movie because it's, it's like that one guy. Um, but the answer is that it is A, a tree sap. And myrrh is also a tree sap. 
and gold is not a tree sap. So add them up, hand them back to the table, and we have some stickers for you if you did really good on the quiz. Hand them back to the, the, the table. Um, Victoria has stickers for your table if you did really good. So I imagine, did any table get them all right? I think we just said that every table got at least the, the, the presentation of Jesus wrong. Did any table get 90% nine right? Nobody got nine right? As a table, did anybody get eight right? Oh, good. Okay, so this table, keep your hands up. So, Victoria, this table up here, that table back there, the Loomis's table right here, and Gilbert, are you guys part of that? Or you guys were the, oh, so only, ha- oh, sorry about that. Sorry to bring that up. Um, and then this table over here, so just the, the back half of this table and, and this table, hopefully we have enough. So 80%, that's pretty good. How many of you got 70%? That's a C average. How many of you got 60%? That's failing or a D. Yeah, good job. How many of you got five right? Just 50%. Yeah, good job. Um, and how many of you got four? <laughs> how many of you got a mighty three? Correct. Oh, two, t- yes. Two correct. Any table get two correct. Any table get one or zero. <laughs> so my point is this. Everybody... Calm down. Look up here. My point is this. We don't know the real Christmas story. And I'm guilty of this as well. We don't know as a culture the real Christmas story because we are inundated with the amalgamation of the, of the Christian and pagan, Christian and American, Christian and like just in, in the name of festivity, um, these things that get put upon us. I imagine that if we had a quiz uh, saying things like, uh, where's Santa Claus live? Or how many reindeer can you name? Or the popular cultural Christmas questions, I bet we would all get 100% or very close to it. My point is that we don't know the Christmas story. And so let's look at the Christmas story Reopen your Bible. Some of you pick uh, the beginning of Matthew. Some of you pick Luke 1 and 2. And just kind of, uh, I guess as I'm talking, read along in the text of Scripture because we are going to look at the real Christmas story. We have uh, about 20 minutes left. We're going to look at the real Christmas story and then pray to this God who has come and made himself known to people 2,000 years ago. And he was born and he was placed into a manger in humble beginnings. So here's the real Christmas story. Where do we begin? Well, we could begin in Genesis, the the reason why uh, we would need a Savior come to earth, and that sin entered the world, and it's said of the woman that you will give birth, and your offspring will smash the serpent's skull. And we could ultimately say, that's what Jesus did. Satan came uh, to to destroy the world. Satan came to deceive the world. But ultimately, uh, fruit of a woman would be born on this earth, God himself, and he would crush Satan's skull. So we could begin there. We could begin with all of the many messianic prophecies throughout Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We could start off with Isaiah 9. We could start off with these wonderful uh, prophecies of Jesus, but let's get started right where it begins with the story of the telling of the birth, and that is either in Matthew or Luke. I made this silly diagram um, for you. I guess it's not, we have problems with the 
projector, we must be. It, it, it had a list of uh, who has the best Christmas spirit, and Matthew and Luke have high Christmas spirit, but Mark and John have no Christmas spirit because they do not include their, their, the story of Jesus' birth. Um, so anyways, maybe it's better, it's better that we can't see it because it's just silliness. It's maybe a little irreverent. So the story really begins with an angel of the Lord appearing to Zechariah. That's the real beginning of the story of Christmas. Gabriel, the angel, appears to Zechariah and says, I have uh, 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 something to tell you. You and your wife are going to give birth. And Zechariah kind of laughs it off because his wife, Elizabeth, is so old in age. And, and because of this, he asks why or asks how this could, could be. The angel kind of punishes him. Not kind of. He does punish him. He makes him mute until the baby is born. So maybe something like nine months, maybe a little more if the angel came before that. And so he's mute for this time as a punishment for questioning and asking of the, of the Lord through this angel, how could this be? After this, uh, the presentation of Gabriel to Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. Zechariah will have a kid and name him, do you know? John ends up being John the Baptist, and it's said of him, um, it's said of little John the Baptist, um, not to be confused with Robin Hood, little John, um, sorry, uh, you will have joy and gladness. There will be many who will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink only water, no wine, no, no liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, yet as from his mother's womb. And it will go on to say he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their sons, hearts of the sons back to their fathers, and this wonderful thing will happen. He will point to the one who is coming, him who is to come, and the H is capitalized, the Lord. So this angel goes to Zechariah and says, this wonderful thing is going to happen. And then this same angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary. This young girl, we assume she's young because in the culture you got married at an early age. Some people have speculated that maybe she was just 14, 15, 16 years of age, a young teenage girl. Gabriel appears to her and says a couple things. He says, you're going to have a baby. And Mary uh, asks uh, a question. How can this be since I've never been with a man? And Gabriel the angel explains it, and it's cloaked in ministry, uh, mystery. He says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and the Lord is doing this. And so he says that, you're going to be pregnant, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. You're highly favored. And, and he also says a fourth thing, your, your relative Elizabeth is also going to be pregnant. So lots of miraculous things happening here. Uh, Zachariah's vision, Mary's vision. And I want us to just pause and think here for just a second about God coming into this world. Last year uh, at the winter retreat, the theme was magnified. How many of you were there? Lots of you. The theme was the bigness, the hugeness of God. And we had all these analogies about God's bigness. We had this analogy of the universe and how big the universe is. Just in the, what we can begin to wrap our minds around is if we had like a soccer ball. We put the soccer ball, uh, let's say, over on the goal line of TCA field. If you, if you keep walking this way, you'll hit the, uh, the, the TCA field. Put a soccer ball there, and then about 81 feet out, that's 27-ish yards, put a peppercorn, and that peppercorn, like if you, if you grind your own pepper, a peppercorn represents the earth. You're like, wow, that's, that's pretty far apart. And then we considered, well, what's the next star? How close is the next star? Well, you would take another soccer ball representing another star because our sun is a star, and you would, let's say, keep walking west. 
You'd walk west all the way past the, the fields, and you'd end up in the mountains, maybe somewhere around the academy, and you would keep going with this soccer ball representing the next closest star. And you'd keep walking until you passed, like, Buena Vista. You'd keep walking until you hit Utah. You'd keep walking with the soccer ball until you hit California. You'd keep walking until you hit the ocean, and then you'd start swimming with this soccer ball, and you'd get closer to Japan than you are to California, and you'd place that soccer ball. Wow. Like, that's the universe. And the God, our God, that created that, placed himself inside a womb of a woman and was born. If we get our minds around that, just a piece of that, then that is the reason for the season. That is to be something overjoyous about the good tidings of great joy that God has come into this world. So that's, I just wanted to pause there and think, wow, this is This is the story of God come to earth. If you ever have a baby, you will tell that baby years later about the day they were born, all the little details, when they were born, how much they weighed, and that story gives them meaning as individuals coming into this earth. Just like we can reflect, every year we get to do this, reflect on Jesus coming into this world, God being born into this world, and we could reflect on that story and say, well, that gives us meaning as human beings, that our God, a creator, would come into this world. And what does that say, that he came into this world? What's it say that he wasn't born in a palace? In fact, he was born, he doesn't even have room to to go in a guest room, but he had to be born somewhere and then be placed in a manger, a makeshift crib. Like, what does that say? say about us as humanity that that's how our creator came. Pretty awesome stuff. Pause and think about that between now and Christmas. So continuing the story, Joseph is engaged to Mary. And if you are engaged, raise your hand if you're a guy. So let's say you have a girlfriend um, and you guys get engaged. Let's just say, which some of you, this may, may happen sooner than you think. Praise be to the Lord. And so you're engaged to this girl, and you and her are waiting for your wedding night to be intimate together. You haven't. Maybe you haven't even kissed her. Maybe you've kissed her, but you haven't gone any farther than that. And then you find out she's pregnant. What would you do? Call Jerry Springer. That's what you would do. Just, that's what I would do. You'd call Jerry Springer and get on the show if that's you know, a thing anymore. Uh, But Joseph, he's a holy man. And Joseph, it says in the text of Scripture, he's a good man. He was going to just divorce her quietly. And we we are talking about a whole totally different culture where uh, she should have been stoned to death, according to Old Testament law. But Joseph had it in his mind as a good, holy, righteous man to just divorce her quietly and put this thing behind him. But an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, this is from the Lord. This is what the Lord is doing. And Joseph is obedient. He, he stays with Mary as the story goes. And so then they, um, Mary goes down to see her relative Elizabeth. She takes the journey from uh, Galilee all the way to Bethlehem, uh, our surrounding region of Bethlehem. She meets Elizabeth. Imagine that meeting. Here's a woman who should not have a baby because she's a virgin. Here's another woman who should not have a baby in her belly because she's beyond childbearing years, and they see each other. No letters in between because that wasn't a thing back then. No texting, no calls in between. That wasn't a thing until many, many years later, and they see each other. Can you imagine that meeting? It's like 
Mary sees Elizabeth as pregnant, and that's a miracle. And it says in the text of Scripture that the baby, little John the Baptist, leaps in her womb. Wow, the miracle is taking place. Imagine what they, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. And then imagine Mary's news to Elizabeth. Guess what? I'm pregnant too. And you're not going to believe this, but I've never been with a man. It's like, I could totally believe it because I'm beyond childbearing. Just imagine the explosion of joy that must have happened when Mary meets Elizabeth in that moment. And what we do know is that Mary sings a song. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. This is often called the Magnificent. It's Mary's song of, of great joy. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He looks on his servant with lowliness. In her lowliness, henceforth, all ages will call me blessed. The Almighty works marvels for me. His name is holy. His mercy is from age to age. Those who fear him, he puts forth his arm in strength and scatters the proud-hearted. He casts the mighty from their thrones and raises the lowly. He fills the starving with good things. He sends the rich away empty. He protects Israel, his servant, remembering his mercy, the mercy promised to our fathers, Abraham, and to his sons forever. So that's what happened. Mary sings this song. How wonderful, how awesome this thing is. And for her, because the angel Gabriel said a couple things. You're going to be pregnant. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. Uh, and, you're, and your relative... Elizabeth is going to bear a child. And so I just imagine when Mary sees Elizabeth, she says, this has got to be true. This miracle is happening. This miracle in my own body is happening. Wow. And so she must have gone. Uh, Whether she went alone or with Joseph, we don't know. They go back to uh, the north country, uh, Galilee. Elizabeth has John. John is born, and the people around say, why are you naming him John? Because nobody in your family is named John. And that's when Zechariah, if you remember, speaks for the first time and says his name will be John. And in Hebrew, that name means the Lord is gracious. And so they have this baby, uh, John the Baptist, who will become John the Baptist. And then the story starts um, what is typically the story is this journey back down from Galilee, back down to the hill country of Judea to Bethlehem. And that's this iconic image of Mary and Joseph, you know, the icon of uh, the donkey, Mary riding the donkey and Joseph pulling the donkey. That's what we see in the movies. That's what we see in Christmas cards. That's what we see. Whether it looked like that, we don't really know. In fact, if we had to guess, we'd probably say, well, it probably looked more like a caravan than just two people because two people just didn't travel like that. Uh, it, the distance between Galilee and uh, Bethlehem and Galilee, sorry about the lights, is, um, is, is about the distance between Colorado Springs and Denver. So if you were going to Denver and it was unsafe to travel because of uh, just pirate raids and, and bad things happening to you along the road, then you'd probably go in a group, in a caravan. So Mary and Joseph make their way back down to Bethlehem. They try to find a place to rent because there's been some census that's taking place and there's no room to rent. There's no place to go. And so they have this baby in Bethlehem and they wrap him up in swaddling clothes and they place him in a manger. And what in the world is a manger? But like a feeding trough for animals or the place, the, the, the place where animals feed. It's pretty gross stuff. If you ever, I, I, I didn't wasn't raised on a farm. Some of you were. Some of you are very familiar with that and would know that that's not, you don't put a baby there. That's not right. You, you, what you're supposed to do is build a, a crib. And for goodness sakes, Joseph should have been able to build a crib. What was his p- profession? Bro, you had nine months. <laughs> Why were you so unprepared? 
And as a new dad, I shared this a couple of years ago um, when Erica was pregnant with our son, Jay. And, and like, that's all you, you, your only job, dad, is to, to prepare the place for the child to be born. You can't really help your wife. Uh, you know, she's carrying the baby and you could help as much as possible, but, but you're not the one carrying the baby. Your only job is to help prepare the place for when the kid is born. So this guy who's a carpenter doesn't have time to make his own kid uh, a crib. Not sure what was going on there, but Joseph probably felt like an idiot. I mean, I imagine he's just like, we have, I'm trying to prepare for, you know, make preparations for my family. I have nowhere to lay this child but a manger, like this thing that's just not supposed to, just a makeshift thing. And then lo and behold, the night, we assume the night this baby is, has been born, Jesus, God himself, into the world. An angel appears to these shepherds who are off in the hill country, scares them to death, and the angel says, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people for this day. So there's one clue. This day, a baby has been born, and it's, it's Christ, the Lord. And so the shepherds leave from this holy scene where the, uh, a host of angels appear with this angel. And they go forth from there, and the angel only gives them two clues. Uh, one, the clue on this day, so a baby born today in the city of Bethlehem. So th- I guess three clues. Bethlehem, baby born today, and what's the final clue? You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It's pretty cool in my mind that 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 scene of humility that, that maybe Joe, and I'm just thinking as a father uh, of, of three boys, thinking about like, you know, having preparations for your own family, and Joseph must have feeling like he had fallen short and they had no place to lay this baby other than this makeshift manger. It must have felt like a failure. This then becomes the sign to these shepherds that this is the one who has come into the world. How cool is that? In my mind, beautiful as a father. So the shepherds go, they visit him. The, the story continues. It says that the baby Jesus is circumcised, just like every good Jewish baby boy is. And then uh, 40 days later, we know because of the Old Testament laws, they present this baby Jesus, God on earth, to the temple. And there's this cool scene where Anna and Simeon, these older people, prophesy over this little child, and they know who it is. It's like, this is the one who we've been waiting for. And then the story continues in the, in the, in the in, I think in Matthew and uh, Luke, the story of the Magi, these people that have come from the East, these, these people that, this is, I mean, this gets into weird, fascinating stuff to me, because they're kind of reading the stars. And as Christians, we're not supposed to get into horoscopes and stuff, but these guys were, and somehow that pointed to God coming to earth, pretty cool stuff. And they, they're trying to find this baby and a star leads them to a house. The star like descends on this house in Bethlehem and they find this baby and they realize it is him because they bow down and they worship him. They don't just thank the Lord for him, but they worship this little kid. And the, the Greek here, this language is of a toddler. So we assume that this, the story of the Magi happens a few years after Jesus is born. But they worship him. They give him gifts, gold, frankincense, uh, myrrh, and they worship this little kid. They bow down and they worship him. Begs the question, is this baby God? 
we would say yes. If we're in this room, we're here because we believe, we would say yes. This baby is God. He is fully God. He didn't become God, but he became flesh God, the creator of the, the, the stars and the moon and the sun, all that we can see, all that is, all that we can see, all that we can't see, comes into this world, is born lowly circumstances, and he is worshipped as he should be by the wise men. Whether there was three, whether there was four, twelve, we don't know for sure, but these men came and they worshipped him. And so as we leave, I want to pray to this God who has come. I want us to reflect and, and, and know that this child who is born is God to be worshipped on this earth. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray to him? God, we thank you. That's, that's our response. We thank you that um, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, as Isaiah says. Those walking in a dark land have seen the light shine on them, shine on us. And we will be glad in considering you coming to this earth. We will be so glad. Good tidings of great joy because you will break the yoke of slavery in our lives. You alone will, will take up the, the government. The, upon your shoulders, you will take this world and bring it with you as your kingdom will come and as your will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.